0: you imagine if back in the days of phone books right if there was an ad that you bought for your church in a phone book you know and the listing didn't have your phone number didn't have your address it had a welcome letter from your pastor right come on no welcome ladies and gentlemen to every knee shall bow your weekly catholic podcast on evangelization my name's Mike Gormley, and I'm joined, as always, by Dave Thunderdome oh, Van yes. How you doing, Dave?
1: That was like one of my favorite movies growing <laughs> up, too. Mad Max and the Thunderdome. That's so funny.
0: Was, was that the one with Tina Turner?
1: Uh, I think so, I yeah. think that was the you one know with I'm Tina Turner. I'm not good Turner. with names. You know, I'm not good
0: with that <laughs> stuff. But, yeah, that's true. That's uh, true. So today, I'm excited because we're going to talk about digital evangelization. We got a wonderful question from one of our listeners, and we just felt like we should devote a whole topic, uh, and we'll probably hit it in 20 different ways throughout the show. Uh, you know, throughout different episodes. But this show, we want to focus on digital evangelization. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think, see, this is the thing I keep, you know, harping on with, with pastors that recently I was, you know, trying to explain to a pastor, they were asking me like, okay, we have some money in the budget. Who should we hire? And I keep saying a communications person, and they want to know why they, you know, they're, they're real upset about this. And I keep saying like, you know, people aren't home anymore. This is if we could hire someone to go door to door knocking on doors evangelizing, I I would do that. But they're not home. We need someone to talk to them where they are, which is online. And that's what we have to we really have to bring the gospel to the, you know, to that new generation of people who are that's where they're interacting. Yeah. And we hired
0: a communications person down here at our parish in Texas. And he, in my opinion, is worth his weight in gold. Now, not only is he communications, he's also development. So he's doing double duty there. But our communications game has entirely changed. Oh, man. It is so incredible. Jealous. And the first thing he did, yeah, the first thing Stephen did was he overhauled our website. And we share an assistant. So she's part-time adult faith, part-time communications. Uh, and this woman had zero background in anything design communications. She is just amazing at administrative tasks, super organized she sees the big picture and the details they gave her the bulletin her work using online communications 24 years old she was able to craft an amazing like pipeline for our bulletin people so there's just one place where people submit their little entries in the bulletin it's not emails going to 50 different people uh, the bulletin work took 20 hours a week now wow mind you this is like a 22 page bulletin it went from 20 hours a week to four hours a wow. week Total That's awesome. in order to compile it all and it looks gorgeous we have people that steal from our bulletin all the time i encourage you to do that ap.church um so we overhauled the website we overhauled the bulletin we send out a weekly email from our pastor um and we do all sorts of communications initiatives for our parish you don't have to go and sign up for bishop baron's you know uh you know five week this ten week that those are great and your parishioners are probably doing that but what about stuff?
1: for within your pairs. So yeah, communications people are on point. I love it. Oh man. I'm so jealous of that. It's, it's such an important thing that people need to understand that this is it is a massive bridge of trust for people. Oh yeah, and, and for my generation, they look for they look at websites. That's the way it works. And I, you know, I, it's not a strength of mine, Gomer. You know, I'm like a luddite when it comes to this kind of stuff. You know, <laughs> uh, I, I have accounts, but like I don't think I've ever sent out a, a tweet or whatever you say. You know, but <laughs> whatever um, the kids are saying, what their rap music and their VH one things are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, it's just so important that. It's, it's, a, it's a way for people, I mean, in all honesty, whether it's ridiculous or not, a lot of people are going to look at your website to try and determine the quality of yeah. w- what you're offering there. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: And the idea is communications, uh, These, especially talking about social networks, but websites and other things, they're there and they live on so that people can go and constantly discover them on their time. I mean, imagine if the only way people could find out about your church is only during office hours. Now, you have office hours 24/7 essentially in the online world. Right. This is brilliant and beautiful. This is why me and Dave didn't want to get together and write a book. We wanted to get together and craft a podcast because we knew that people would be walking through this journey with us that they're sending us questions and all this stuff that that we can kind of grow and evolve these ideas together. But it's an ongoing uh, uh, evolutionary development whereas you you have this isn't static content content like a book. Like you can go back and listen to our earlier episodes and catch up with us and send us emails. Hey, I was listening to episode five and I thought of this, what do you think? That is the brilliant move of the online digital world, right right, um, right so so uh speaking about this, uh we have one question with five sub questions or six sub questions so yeah here's let me just lay out these questions for us. so writing in, you know he was talking about he referenced a document Aaron referenced a document on um, from Vatican II called uh Morifica, and it was a document on the means of social communic social communications. And it's is—it's beautiful. I think it's beautiful. It's excellent. Uh, I I know of a story of a person who had a conversion, who was a journalist, had a conversion after reading it. So there's power there in these words. But these new tools of social communication can make the world much smaller and can make the world much worse, as we're seeing with young people and their over-involvement on social communication. But we're not just talking about Facebook and Snapchat. We're talking about the broader, wider thing, like podcasts and websites and even something as pedestrian for us as email. So uh, he has multiple questions kind of deriving from this. And the first one is, what practical advice would you give parishes in using digital communication for evangelization? Dave, you want to start us off? What, do you, what would you say is the first thing besides a communications person,
1: a first thing a parish should do? So I, I think their presence on social media is going to be important. OK, so I mean, I honestly there are still many, many parishes that don't have things as simple as a Facebook account, an Instagram account, um, you know, Twitter, all, all that kind of stuff. And I and I think like I know for us, it took me a long time to get those set up. And now they are a main way that we advertise events. Yeah. So, I mean, people follow those. They really do follow them closely. So making sure, like, I mean, covering your bases, you know, get your list out there and say, do we have this? Do we have this? Do we have this? And looking at how are you communicating right now through non, you know, physical ways, you know, through not through the bulletin, but through online ways. So I would say
0: the practical advice, what would be the first thing you should do is take a long, hard look at your website. What does your homepage look? Say to a visitor, the very first thing I would say is if there's a letter from your pastor on the homepage, you are doing it wrong. Right? Don't have the letter. You you throw that on an about page. Right? No one cares about. A letter from your pastor welcoming everyone does that. Stop doing that. Right. People come to your website because they want information and they want it done within the context of their lives. Right. Mass so times. they are, right. yeah, they are searching for your stuff. You imagine if back in the days of phone books, right? If you, there was an ad that you bought for your church in a phone book, you know, and the listing didn't have your phone number, didn't have your address, it had a welcome letter from your pastor. Right. Right. Come on, <laughs> no. So the idea is, okay, put up a tagline, put up a a one sentence summary or whatever, but the idea is put the most important, if you have buried your mass times for Sunday and daily mass and confessions, if you buried it anywhere else than on the homepage, you are doing it wrong. You can have a a follow-up page called mass times where you have, Hey, this is it for the feast days and stuff, but you need to have the most relevant content right there on the homepage. That's the big deal. So practical advice for me is for those who are responsible for editing the website, you need to have a clear understanding of who is in, in control of this or that. Who's the final editor? You might have a bunch of contributors, but who's the editor that makes sure that information is flowing and then have them devote maybe an hour a week to just doing some research on best
1: practices because that'll go a oh, fall away. Yeah, far away. Yeah. Let, let me throw a question at you then, okay? Yeah. So the vast majority of our listeners are not professional Catholics like us. Right. So let's say you want to be a well-rounded evangelist and you yep. wanna you wanna be able to uh, you know continue your evangelization online. What's the first thing you're gonna do? That is an amazing
0: question. So as an individual, not tied to a movement or a parish, as an individual, number one, yeah, you should start a website. I recommend just going with Squarespace or Wix, something where it's Drag and drop, click and you know, plug and play. Right, so yeah. easy. Um, start off with their cheapest account, and then maybe work your way up, uh, and then create a blog. Ah, uh, the blog okay. is where your thoughts live, and that's great. And for those of you who want to get into actual speaking, you need to go to SoundCloud or YouTube, start an account, and record your talks and post them there. If you want to, if what where is your niche? that you feel like you can have the greatest impact what's the topic or topics that you really want to help people with and then go there start with the stuff you're super passionate about and write you know don't write more than 800 to a thousand words and get that out there right get it out there because what you you need to build your presence right you need to have it be a worthy destination don't worry about clickbait don't worry about numbers coming to your thing Focus on being really, really great with the content that you're writing or the audio that you're producing and have that live there. Start start with that. I don't care about branding and all that stuff right now. But if you want to be a Catholic evangelist online, you have to have your home base of operations. Right. And then from there, like you can go and be involved in this, that and the other community. But that's where you're going to reference people to come back to. Right? Have your story, have your testimony be the first article that you post. Right, right, right. And so that way people can understand who you are, not just on your about page, but have it like a fuller, fleshed out version.
1: I think that'd be a great place to start. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Can you imagine if everybody, I mean, that, that would be awesome. Yeah. Like if you were an evangelist and you met someone at a gas station, you're like, look, I don't have too much time to talk right now, but here's my card and this is my website. He, come, go listen to my story. You know, that'd be awesome. Yeah.
0: So speaking about that, I had a guy who drove me on a cart my parking spot to the airport terminal elevator in my <laughs> intercontinental airport of houston and he said hey here's my card And i'm like why is this guy giving me his card i think i shared this with y'all and it just had i accepted jesus christ when i was 25 years old here's my name here's my website if you want to talk about christ further here's my email address oh genius that's a great that's a right great idea. and that was yep. it that was that was his thing yeah you know boom yep. done and he was so nice so wonderful he gave me all you know additional information and you know, like really helped me out, like navigating where yeah. to go and all that stuff. And uh, so I was like, oh, it's a nice guy. And then I looked at his car and I'm like, why'd he give me his card in case I want to bring a shuttle driver to my house right, 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 right. Yeah, so there it is. So that's really great. I think that's really great. So Dave, what things have you seen done well? We can talk about broader things in the church, but online, digital engagement, what have you seen done well?
1: Right. So I don't remember what parish it was, but I was looking at a parish um, feed, media feed the other day and literally they were so good about posting non parish related Catholic stuff that I was like thinking like, if you followed this parish for like a month, you could get an education in the faith. Like it's amazing. Like they were posting video. They had stuff of you on there. They had redeemed online stuff. They had Bishop Barron stuff. And like they were communicating constantly. But the best part about this was when people would comment on those videos or on those audio things, they would respond to it and they would be like, yeah, for more, for more information, reference this. So the person was literally acting like an online evangelist, whoever was running this. And it was like really awesome. So I've seen like, just it done really well where you actually can use your online media to like be an arm of adult faith formation, you know, not just something flashy. Yeah.
0: 100%. Um, the other thing that I think, you know, people like Bishop Robert Barron's Word on Fire, it was something that was born on the Internet. It was born on YouTube. Right. Um, and then as they go throughout and they build up these big, uh, you know, social media empires and, and digital content empires, the reality is um, there is so much room on the Internet for you. Yeah. Right. And uh, for parishes, I tell them, you don't have to have everything live on your parish website. Right. We have one right. woman who taught an excellent church history course, and she would constantly give us these pages and pages of documents for supplemental resources, thinking, you know sh- notes for the class. And we're like, this is not going to live on our website. like We're not right. putting this on there. And She's like, well, it's my website. But no, it's our parish website. They come here for information, right. for taste, right. for an action steps, not for everything to live there. And she said, well, where am I going to put this? And so she created an amazing Google webs- website, just super complicated link because that's google but she just emailed that out and said click here for more information and she filled that thing with pages of excellent content right and i i mean like you websites are very cheap now you can do all sorts of of options um you can create websites for specific stuff so that you can have as much or as little information on these different platforms as possible. So I'm encouraging my own parish, because we have such a huge parish, you know, 22,000 people. We have a staff of, like, 35 full and part-time um, people just on the parish side, not even on the school side, that my, my goal is to create a website just for leadership, right? Ah. So. Parish staff members, clergy, and our volunteer leaders—that helps them do things that they need to be able to do as as volunteers, like um, access our facilities forms and request space, and all this. stuff. Just have it all live in one area so that everyone can um, be on top of it. And then what we use with that is we evangelize our leadership. So we do things like we have an annual theme. We do a parish leadership summit every year. Um, the idea is to kind of drive home like what is the movement that we are praying about and thinking about as staff and how can we communicate that message out into our leadership so building another website is not hard and it might be very powerful so having an adult faith formation website where you don't have to do anything except build a link right do what you do best then link to the rest
1: that's good online advice i think that engagement part is really important as well if you if you can do some any kind of interactive stuff, it's going to be re, it's going to go a long way. It really is. And of course, you're going to get the negative stuff and the trolls and stuff like that. But if you can really start to engage people at your parish, like you'll find people will open up online that they won't open up in like maybe a small group setting. Yeah. And it becomes an opportunity. So
0: when we talk about engagement, so just think of it in terms of like, let's say uh, your Facebook page. So your parish has a page on Facebook. Um, and you have to have someone. This, I think, is the first failure that a lot of people do. You have to have someone who's responsible for that content because people are going to start reaching out to you. So let's say you post your pastor's homily on the website, and you're going to take that, create, you know, take a nice little picture, go to canva.com, C-A-N-V-A.com, create some decent album artwork, post it up on the Facebook. So now you got this post on Facebook with a link to your pastor's homily, and someone says, "Oh my gosh, this was amazing! Can you tell me more about your church?" Right. And then that comment just sits there for weeks, right? And weeks. No, you have to have someone whose task is monitoring the engagement on those things. Once you do that, you'll have more engagement, right? Once people see that you're responding, all of a sudden it'll become this. Uh, it'll become a good destination. You know what's cool about that is that when you start responding, then your parishioners start responding 100 like they'll they'll respond for you no one wants to communicate with a you know you don't want to talk on the phone if you know that someone answered it and then just laid it on a desk and walked away you're not right, going to have yeah, a long right. conversation right right it's just about opening doors it's about opening doors so my other facebook strategy for parishes and individuals is or not facebook strategy but social media strategy is don't invest in a tool such as snapchat or instagram or facebook or twitter that you're not going to have someone assigned to it yeah right right? if 50 people are assigned to it and they're all contributors it's not going to work because then they're they're going to put their content out there and they're not going to be the ones maintaining so you need to have someone where that is part of their job description but realize that once you do that that's a five to you know 20 out depending on what you want hour a week job right right so realize you have to take something away if you're giving it to the parish secretary if you just have like one or two or three other employees and you have a parish secretary who does the bulletin and she's going to post this stuff online as well well guess what you're asking her to do let's say six hours more a week of work so are you recognizing that so these are other kind of more practical
1: yeah and i would say the vast majority of church secretaries are not prepared to to handle your social media issues yeah they might not be so where does digital evangelization not truly work? Yeah, well, we all know the, I mean, the classic case, which is basically, I mean, the Catholic case. You know, they used to make fun of Catholics for not having Bibles or not knowing their Bibles. And now we get made fun of for our outdated websites, you know. <laughs> and and, the, and the, the truth is, is that the, va- like, I, and someone actually did a study about uh, parish uh, confession times. I don't remember what diocese it was, but, like, the times on the website were not, were not updated. And they had been like over six months changed and had not been updated. So that is a massive failure. You show up for confession and it's and there's no confession now. I understand sometimes there's funerals or weddings or something like that. That's different. But if you show up and you thought it was because uh, you thought it was the time because it said so online and they've changed it several weeks before. That's a major loss right there, a major loss that you're going to, you know, and you're going to pay for it. People literally leave because of things like this. They get very upset about stuff like that. Yeah,
0: and I understand that not everyone can uh, afford full-time people or even part-time people. But um, I think another area where we fail is not just having incorrect content or outdated content. Um, Another area where we fail is relying too much on the digital that it supplants the meat space. It's a plants sitting down with people. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. My tool, my rule of thumb is do as much as you can digitally so that you can free up more time physically. Right. So if uh, I heard one pastor say, I think it was Father James Mallon uh, from the Divine Renovation, he says, you know, they've gone everything digital for, you know, people engaging with their parents for like signups except new parishioner. He wants to meet face-to-face, all new parishioners. Right, right. So if, so, what I do for us is, um, you know, we have this kind of standard diocesan questionnaire that we have people fill out, that we're supposed to interview people for RCIA and adult confirmation. So what we've done is we've put that questionnaire online so that they fill out, you know, give us your nuts and bolts information, like your you know, name and all that stuff. But then when the, I sit down with them, I've already seen and read through it. And so specific questions, I know to go deeper with them. So it's not that I've, you know, asked them to, like, fill out, like, oh, have you been married before? Okay, great. I don't have to talk to them about it. But, no, I get to go deeper with them. Other things that have been super helpful is having things that are going to lead to awkward conversations, like like who can and cannot be a confirmation sponsor. Right. If people have that information online, then when they sit down with you, they already know what the church teaches, sure. and you can explain to them why. So social media and digital evangelization fails when it supplants a physical relationship where it shouldn't. And I think that's it's going to be different for every parish, different for individuals, right? So everyone knows, like, I'm a speaker. I give talks. They come to my website. If you don't know me, why would you hire me? I'm not an A-list Catholic celebrity. Scott Hahn, his name alone on a banner can fill a church. Michael Gormley! You know, like, what? No. Uh, And so... Um, one of the things that I tell people all the time is like you have to have stuff on your website that draws people to your message and, and what you 're trying to get across don't do the scatter shot that 's the other thing you try to do too much right have an intention behind what you want to accomplish
1: yeah yeah I think so I think like you know that that 's another big issue is that. You know, some of these websites are so complicated. You know, you you get you can get so deep down the rabbit hole in some of these places, and you're trying to do too much. It's exactly what you're exactly what Gomer said. Gomer, here here's a question for you, and okay, and I, specifically, I want you to address this because I, as a rule, pretty much just for peace in my life, do not engage in on in a lot of online discussions. Right. I just don't because it's just gotten so vitriolic online. Yeah. So do you have like a set of rules that you use of like when you engage people, when you don't, how you engage them or anything? Or what could we say to people about this idea? Because certainly we want to go out and proclaim the truth, but a lot of this is not ending up as evangelistic as we might have hoped because of the, the kind of just the attitude. Yeah, it's the there, zeitgeist, you know? right? It's the spirit of the age. Yeah, is, right.
0: Everyone right. is combative um i think uh i want to take a page out of something that i i find other utterly fascinating and totally incongruent with our show there's a female comedian named sarah silverman you heard of her
1: oh yeah yeah she, she's like she, a super liberal right
0: yeah and she's politically active and she's super super gross she does shock stuff every like uh well like in, inappropriate things is that what you're saying wildly okay. wildly inappropriate things but um She did this thing on Twitter, and this is how I know about it. Someone was super ugly to her on Twitter. Right. Some troll came out of nowhere. And she she decided that she was going to invest in this troll. And so she made a comment like, Listen, I don't know where this came from from you or something like that. And she said, But I want you to know that there is hope and healing for you. And I don't know who hurt you. And then the guy like cussed her out and said all this horrible stuff back. And she said, Again, listen. I'm sorry that someone hurt you, because no one just does what you're doing. Right. Like you don't know my life, you don't know any of this stuff. And then slowly, this guy he was like, "Well, okay, so I was abused." And he goes into this whole what? story, and 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 then and so the guy, literally, this troll opened up to Sarah Silverman, and she ended up like paying for a portion of his therapy, this is awesome. and she recommended therapists. It was crazy, and then it reminded me of Bishop Barron. When Bishop Barron engages right. people on right. so YouTube, good at he had no idea there was a comment section on YouTube. And it's yeah. the worst. It's the worst. But then he responds, hey, friend, when someone just totally attacks him yeah. and he humanizes it. And that's why people like Jimmy Kimmel have celebrities read yeah. mean tweets. The whole point is to humanize the people behind it. Right. Uh, so uh, I, I do think there is a right and wrong way. So my way of engaging is personally. Uh, I find social media in my personal life because I have this public personality where I have thousands of friends. I do not engage people. And if an argument goes political and that wasn't my intention, I end it immediately. Okay. And I have gone through, I have things where I go through and delete comments and people will be like, why did you delete that comment? I thought they made a good point. I said, because they're just angry and yelling. Right. And that's not why I'm here. Um, Another thing that I do with, um, so I'll I'll take a page out of our social or uh, communications guy. He is not afraid to use snark to engage the snarky. Okay. Right. So one guy saw this beautiful video that we have of our uh, veneration of the cross on Good Friday. And we have literally about 120 altar servers come out for it. And it's this amazing event that we do. Friday, the Triduum is done really well, I think, at our church. And there was a female altar server, and some guy said, oh, boo, girl, female altar boys. And then my friend responded. uh, Actually, they're called uh, altar girls, but whatever. Right. Yeah, If someone is just drive by taking a pot shot, that's the danger of the Internet is there's no with anonymity. Even if you have your name on Facebook, you can be a jerk and walk away. Whereas you would never say certain things in public. So it's like, okay, you could be this rude to me and I'm not going to be that rude to you, but I'm just going to draw out the annoyance. I actually have found that it creates conversation. Yeah, of
1: course, and it kind of like wakes them up to like, oh, I'm being a jerk when I don't have
0: to. Yeah, yeah. And so you need to use that a lot more <laughs> prudentially <laughs> because it can turn people off and shut people out. But our goal is not to be a punching right, bag. Right. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Hurt so good. That That's not the role of the church. And in fact, pushing back on the negativity sure, yeah. can actually be very healing for people and it can cause a turn in this. But my main principle is if it's not a political statement and it becomes politicized in the comments, I disengage and I shut it down immediately. Or, I mean, you can steer it back, but rarely, rarely does steering it back actually work anymore. So, uh, I maybe mean, people just go off to the races. So, I'll delete those offending comments. I, I'm I'm a big fan of having strict rules. If you have subgroups, like Facebook groups for different ministries, right. have strict rules on what will and will not be tolerated. So, if you have if you have a um, you know a men's group online and people want to bring their own. Uh, you know political agendas it's always politics into it yeah you just say listen we're not talking about politics you give them two warnings and then you ban them and people will learn pretty quickly (laughs) pretty quickly uh what's uh, appropriate and not appropriate um so next question how can we use it better uh to encourage more personal interactions to open hearts um i think what dave said was really key about like building places for people to go that's kind of evergreen content yeah that you know, and you can categorize it like for right for those who are seeking confession who've been away from the church for a long time, have some an online video or link to, you know, some excellent articles that can just kind of live there so that when a man shows up or a woman shows up who've been away from the confessional for twenty years, they don't feel completely clueless. Right. And you've removed that embarrassment.
1: Right. And you're you're touching people in a very practical way. And Literally providing a space where I mean we could give a talk on confession, but you know, no one's going to come to it I mean compared to what who will respond online And it's awesome because you'll be able to answer questions, especially if you're doing this on social media I've seen some really awesome places where Um, yeah, they're posting a lot of content, but then they also just post like a daily question. Ooh, that's cool. And, and they, and yeah, and they like ask people to like get engaged in that way and they're interacting all day with the daily question, you know? Yeah. And, and, kind of like what you said, Gomer, like I've seen it where a few times, you know, like they'll say, okay, it got a little heated today. We're shutting the daily question off today. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because it got kind of crazy, but it's just, it's just a great place to, to interact in a way that people are much more comfortable. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And I also think that um, creating, don't just think of it as a, as social media. I think every time we talk about digital evangelization, we think Instagram or Facebook. Think about, which are both owned by Facebook. Um, Think of it in terms of, uh, you know, a WhatsApp group where people can chat or group me, thing where people can maintain an ongoing existing relationship like exodus 90 which is a wonderful program for men has a chat feature built in right because you need and part of what is it it's an app or something Yeah, you can get an app and uh you you pay you know whatever to subscribe to exodus 90 and that's how they fund their whole organization but there's an app that you get and it's a free download you just sign in with your membership and all the guys that i'm in the group with we have you have a group chat and an individual chat you can't post pictures you can't do any of that stuff but you can just kind of plow through and stay in touch with people so this week we all wrote down what is my why behind doing exodus 90 cool and some of the guys shared really awesome stuff that was very meaningful and it forced me to be like yeah why am i doing this thing so um uh, those, are, those are very helpful, but don't just think of social media in terms of the big, you know, the big social networks. Also think of it as how can we communicate and get the message out digitally, which goes into our next and final question. How can we better use digital communication to reach the unchurched as well as the people in the pews? I want to focus on the unchurched right now. Um, Dave, how would you reach someone who is unchurched?
1: Well, okay. So again, I think what I want to distinguish here is I think this is better done by non-professional Catholics. So I think like if you can really uh, maintain an online presence and in some way um, start to uh, kind of bleed into that online presence, uh, uh, you know, your faith, right? Just the way you would in a normal relationship. I think that that's one of the ways to kind of let it seep in and hopefully, you know, go, grow an engagement. But like one of the easiest ways to do it is people are constantly sharing their feelings, people are constantly sharing when they've had a great day, when they've had a bad day, when they've had whatever. And for you to engage that person in a Christian way, you know? I mean, we tell people to do this at the grocery store like, "Oh, we'll, we'll pray for you." That's a great thing to do uh through your social media aspect. Now, you know, as far as as far as the unchurched and media Unfortunately, I, I to me, and I don't want to be the bad guy here, but like to me, Christians are our own worst enemy because there's just a lot of bad content out there. Like it's just not good, it's not well done, and yeah, and I think it's not great. That's why I think that like Catholic creatives groups, which I don't really know much about, but I think that they're a really powerful group because they really push for good, good content, you know, good creativity out there. Yeah. Um so I think that's gonna draw people in, you know. Excellence. Excellence matters.
0: Yeah, I would say, uh, here's the advice I would give more than anything else in order to reach the unchurched. Um, You know, you have people like Brandon Vaught, who, you know, he's very much online. You know, he helps run that creative content manager for um, Word on Fire. But he has a thing called um, Strange Notions. And it's a place for believers and atheists to dialogue. Where is it? It's a website? Is that what this is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Just Google Strange Notions. I think it's strangenotions.com. And it's um and it's one of the things where all they do is talk about philosophical and cool. scientific, scientific awesome. objections to to God and stuff. Yeah, and, but everyone that is there is supposed to do it re- respectfully, right? And so that it it is a great website and a great resource. But I would say another thing you can do, and this is better for individuals than parishes. Now maybe some parishes could do it depending on your employees and and volunteers, but um is is not to create content in that lives on a website or social media platform but to go to places and spaces online that already exist and to become a contributor there and one of the best advices on how to evangelize for ordinary people that i've ever heard was do your hobby with non-believers yeah like do you love playing bridge do you love golfing you know whatever Just make sure people that are there don't have a relationship with God because Christians who are really on fire for their faith after about five or 10 years will only associate with other Christians. And that's deadly dangerous to an evangelist. So this type of stuff is invite someone or go to those places that you're excited about. Like for me, uh, the financial independence, right? There's this whole thing called fire financially independent, retired early. And I find this stuff very fascinating and one of the things about that that subculture is they all exist within online blogs. like this this group loves blogs. Everyone has a blog. they comment on each other's blogs all the time, and I have heard these excellent Christian witnesses bubble up through these blogs. So you have this one, you know, strictly non-political, non-religious, none of that stuff, just about finances. And one of the comments they made was, "Oh, so and so." Uh, his son, I think it's called the Good Dad Project, something like that, yeah. um, his son gave up screens for Lent. And so as a family, they adopted all of that for Lent. And what, yeah. this one guy that was talking was more or less explicitly non-religious. And he bring he brought that up and he was like, I thought that was really cool. So 40 days without screens has led to their whole family canceling cable, doing this, doing that, and saving money for their financial goals. But just now that, that notion of like they did this for Lent, how many lapsed Catholics are out there where one of the few things yeah. they do is Lenten sacrifices? Right. Like people still do it, even though they don't practice anymore. Oh, I'm giving up something for 40 days. It's more of a willpower thing there. But it, that, that, I want to say that like you going where the conversations are already happening. Right. Don't think that's how you affect culture. Don't think that you have to be the one creating conversations. I think there's an element of control there that we have to be able to let go on, and too many Catholics or Christians want to kind of control the conversation. Be a part of one that's already happening. That's how you're light and salt to those in the world.
1: Yeah, and I would recommend, like what Gomer said, doing something that's secular. Yeah, right, because the last thing you want to get involved in is like the kind of the— the trad debate in the Catholic stuff or the really even like the, unless you're really on top of things, the atheist community is militant online. So you got to be ready for that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they'll kind of eat you alive.
0: Yeah. But think about that. How beautiful is it? What you just said is interesting because one of the things in, in the very traditionally minded communities is they don't appreciate, though they love the liturgy, they tend not to value evangelization. Right. So you can go to those things. And if you have that, if if you are like traditional liturgy is a part of your experience, like I love the Baltimore catechism. I teach it to my kids, but I also teach my kids about evangelization and love and service and stuff like that. Now I'm not that we're great at it, but that's one of the things that going into these communities already exists. But the problem is when they just become nothing but an insular conversation. And that's what Dave was talking about. Right. Like you want to avoid just being another opinion in these heavily opinionated areas go where the people are the court of the gentiles go out there and and be salt and light okay so when we come back we're gonna take a short break when we come back we're gonna do our take five very practical things that you can do for digital evangelization in your parish as an individual whatever we'll be right back And we're back, and I'm going to let Dave kick us off with our take fives. Dave, why don't you start with number one?
1: Yeah, we're going to kind of do a, a digital examination here. You know, I want you to take a look at what your parish offers already. How are they speaking media wise, and what you're offering to the world? What do you look like to the world in your media? Okay, what is it that's uh, that you're speaking out there in uh, onto the the interwebs or whatever you want to call it? Um, uh, you know, what are you doing? Just take a look a, a little look at what what you're already communicating so that you know where to go, okay? We got to know where we are if we want to know where to grow. So just take some time this week, look at your parish, look at your own accounts and see what have you communicated to the world. I would like to invite
0: you into the wonderful online world of what's called content strategy and content management. Um, there's some wonderful short books out there. Um, there's a company called A Book Apart and I have their book on content strategy. It's just laying out principles of what is what is this digital thing for? And does the stuff that's on it reflect what it's for? So what is the point of your parish's website? Is it just a bigger bulletin? Is it a bullet point version of the bulletin? Where does the bulk of the content live? Why is it there? Who is responsible for it? And how does old stuff get edited what is your process for keeping content on there is this a place for for faith formation type stuff should you create a new page so i would just say start to google articles on content management and content strategy and if you're at a parish do it as a staff if you are an individual looking at starting your own ministry or whatever um invite other people with you don't just have your eyeballs on it because chances are someone else will see something that you
1: can't so do it in the context of community all right number three okay we've talked all about spiritual and corporal works of mercy what i want you to do is take a look at that list the spiritual and corporal works of mercy and i want you this week to do something digitally okay do accomplish one of the spiritual or corporal works of mercy digitally okay uh, and don't just jump right on to admonish the center and start calling people out on Facebook. Okay. <laughs> Find something you can do. That's going to advance the kingdom. Okay. And do it digitally. Just a way to get you thinking about new things, new ways to evangelize.
0: And I would say for number four, create something new that speaks directly to your, um, your passion within the church. So if you, if, if, if it's evangelization, it's a broad topic, maybe say, I want to break down for people. I want to write a five-part series on Evangelii Nuziandi or Evangelii Gaudium or Mission of the Redeemer and just start producing something. Don't just consume, produce, right? Produce some sort of content right now, this week. Maybe it's just as far as you open up a Word document, you start typing, and then you go to Blogspot and you create it. But get something out there
1: now that makes sense you. Number five, you know, we we talk about this um, and we just take so much for granted, like, right, that like we're literally talking about evangelizing online and and all these things. And as Christians in America in particular, we take so much for granted. And, you know, most of you probably know about like the plight of Christians around the world right now. But, uh, you know, right now, there are more martyrs being made than ever in history. And so for our intercessory prayer this week, what I want you to do is just pray for Christians who are in danger for sharing their faith. Pray for those Christians in, in Africa, in Sri Lanka, all these places where they are just in danger for practicing their faith um, and and do it every day. You know, think of something specific to do, whether it's a rosary, whether it's a, a memorial, something like that. And every day, think about those Christians who don't have the freedom that we have and pray for them in solidarity uh you know that they are our brothers and sisters and they do the same things we do every day but because of it they could possibly be killed yeah. or persecuted yeah absolutely awesome
0: so thank you this has been every knee shall bow your weekly catholic podcast on evangelization again i'm mike gormley this is dave thunderdome van Vickel. if you want to email us email us at eksb at ascensionpress.com that email goes to my mailbox and Dave's mailbox and our lovely producer's mailbox. And so this way we can make sure that your questions become topics for an episode, a future episode of Every new Show about So thank you very much, y'all, and God bless.